to you this morning the Reverend Carola von Rangel. Carola is a priest from the Diocese of Tennessee. She now works for Food for the Poor. Food for poor, the Poor is one of the ministries that we endeavor to support here at Good Shepherd. It's a development and relief program in Latin American countries, and she's a wonderful preacher and did a wonderful presentation at our adult formation hour, so I'm looking forward to having you all hear her. Carola. Thank you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. I'm delighted to be back in the Diocese of Tennessee and be with you all. This is my third time talking about food for the poor at uh, Good Shepherd. So welcome, I welcome myself home. I want to start this morning by talking about our lessons because they are such wonderful lessons. I love the lesson from Nehemiah. In this, um, in this scripture, we hear about the people of God, the Israelites, who have returned from exile and slavery, captivity in Babylon. And they were gone all these years, and during the time they were gone, they lost their identity. They didn't know who they were or whose they were. They didn't know the law. They had lost the scriptures. Imagine if we had a reading from, oh, we don't know what anymore. And they have now gathered, and there's division and confusion, and, and they're in a mess. And in the midst of that, the scribe, Ezra, and the governor, Nehemiah, come, and all these people gather in a large gathering area, and Ezra, they have found the book of the law. And Ezra begins to read the book of the law, and people begin to weep when they hear the scriptures. I've always hoped that when scriptures are read in church that we would all begin to weep. And sometimes that actually happens that someone just hears and it speaks so deeply to them. But here, this word from Leviticus, which is not my favorite book of the Bible in general. It's a series of laws, but it causes people to say, Oh, that's our God, and that's who we are, and that's how we shall live. And they are brought into unity and hope and transformation through the word of God. Isn't that an amazing story? Yeah, and to have that seriousness about what is this word of God. Wonderful thing. And then we come to today's gospel, and I love the gospel. Jesus is coming into the synagogue and he says it's my turn to read the way it works is that you don't have a rota like who's going to read next Sunday, but a bar mitzvah adult male can get up and start reading from the scriptures and it's not opening it's a scroll and he takes up where the last person left off in isaiah chapter 61 and reads from Isaiah 61, and he says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news 
to proclaim release to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. How amazing. People have been waiting for the Messiah a very long time. And suddenly, a man gets up in front of them and reads that and then says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in me. He proclaims basically in a rather roundabout way that he is the long-awaited Messiah. Now, I read, the first time, 20 times I heard that and read that, I thought, isn't that wonderful? We have Jesus as the Messiah. And then I thought, but that's about him, not about anyone else. Until I realized that Jesus told others to do the same thing, to proclaim good news, to proclaim release of captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So I read it as, oh, he had the 12 disciples. And he says to them, I want you to go out two by two, and you are to do the following. I always think it's a pretty big thing that he tells them. He says, you are to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, oh Lord, and proclaim good news, preach good news. And so I thought, great, we have 12 people now who can do this. But I believe very strongly that the scripture says, Spirit of the Lord is upon you to do these things, and that means us. Doesn't mean just Jesus or his disciples or the first 120 or the first 500 or the first 3,000. But 2,000 years later, that Spirit of the Lord is upon us to proclaim the release of captives, setting free from bondage, bringing healing, bringing the, the good news to the people so in need. And here we are today. We get to pray, Holy Spirit, come upon us, enable us, equip us, show us where the needs are, and send us forth to do this work. Well, I'm going to, as you're praying that, and keep praying that, it's a good prayer, Come, Holy Spirit, do this. I'm going to tell you about one way of proclaiming hope and release for the captives. I work with um, food for the poor. How many of you remember me from many years past? Good, a smattering of you. Welcome back. The rest of you I will also t share with what Food for the Poor is and does. We're a relief and development organization, Christian Relief and Development. We um, mainly work with Episcopalians, Lutherans, and Roman Catholics. And we provide help for God's beloved poor in 17 countries in the Caribbean and Latin America. Countries like Haiti, Honduras, Nicaragua, Guatemala, El Salvador, uh, Jamaica, and some of the island nations. And we help with about one billion dollars of aid a year. And that aid comes from people like you. Now, I have never had anyone hand me a check for one billion dollars. So there are many people like you, but there are also many organizations and, and uh, grants and foundations and others who give to the work of helping the poor. We're called Food for the Poor, and some people think all we do is feed people. And we feed about two million people a day. 
but we also do many other things. Some are relief, like and housing. Our development, things that sustain life, um, such as medical health, education, vocational education, agriculture, a truck driving school. There are many ways of, of helping the poorest of the poor. The easiest way to understand what we do is if I tell you a couple of stories. And one of the stories is, uh, I, I am sure I told it the first time I came here, but it's been about seven years since then, so I'll tell it again. And that is that in the Caribbean and really all over the world, the poorest of the poor work and live on garbage dumps. And I showed a video to earlier today about a garbage dump in Honduras where we serve. And it's unimaginable that garbage trucks arrive and, and dump out garbage. And the people then who live on that dump go and through the garbage with their hands and look for anything they can sell or use or eat. Garbage that's been in the hot sun for several weeks. Small children are needed to help, so whole families do this. And they, they just go through the garbage. Because of the conditions, and they're fighting with the garbage trucks, with other people who think they have the right to the newest garbage, with rats and insects and huge turkey vultures fighting over whatever they can sell. Children can't go to school because they're needed there. There's no medical care. They don't have addresses. They don't have any education. And they have no way out of living in that dump. A group of speakers like myself went to Honduras to this dump that was in the video I showed. And I still, when I see it, I, I kind of gag. I cannot imagine living like that. And yet, when we talked to the people living there, they had incredible spirit about them. And we asked if we could pray for them. And the mother of this one family, Maria, said, oh, yes, please, we would like that. And others gathered for prayer. And we said, when you pray, what do you pray for? And I could come up with a long list that I want to pray for them. Food and housing and education and medicine and water and sanitation and all those things. And her answer was, every day we pray in thanksgiving for God's provision for us. That God gives us life every day. And then she kind of smiled and said, and we pray for a house for our family. And we were able to provide a house for that family and many other families as well. The house is a, a small concrete block house with sanitation, with cooking facility, and uh, now often solar heat, and it comes furnished now. We are uh, able to give a little more in doing this. And houses like that are provided by donors to the poor. Well, the house is not on the dump, so they didn't have their job cleaning on the dump anymore. So we. The children are in school now, and the parents have received vocational training. 
and have jobs and uh, the ability to sustain themselves and have most of all, they have hope. Hope for a life, for safety, for release captive. They have that good news. My story is uh, my current favorite story, and I have a whole little ditty bag of stories uh, that I love to tell. But my current favorite story is about a woman who lives in Guatemala, in a village in the middle of nowhere, and it is a village of such poverty and malnutrition and trouble. And Food for the Poor first um, worked with her to provide a home for her family. And then in working with her, our organization said, boy, this woman really has go get em ability. So we offered her two piglets. And piglets, did you know they're really small and squirmy and a bit slimy and have cute tails? And we said, we're going to teach you how to raise piglets into pigs. And so she got her two piglets and a bag of piglet food and instructions on how to raise and market piglets. And in a very short time, those little piglets became big pigs. And she took them to market and sold them. And with the money from selling the pigs, she was able to her little kitchen and to buy two more piglets. And guess what happened to the piglets? You all get to do this with me. They became pigs. Thank you. Well done. Piglets, pigs. And eventually she learned to butcher the pigs herself so that she made more money. And she built a little play area in her yard so that her children, children would be safe and not playing out in the street and be in danger of assault and so many dangers out there. And her life was that's sustainable development. Because we didn't have to go back and give her new pigs every time. She bought her own pigs. And our initial investment was $100. Two piglets, egg of food, and instruction. And she is continuing that. But the best part of the story, the part I simply love, is that she is now the piglet raising expert in that part of Guatemala. And she has recruited other women and has taught them how to raise and how to find hope and transformation in her community. And that's the work that, the type of work that Food for the Poor is doing in these countries. I, I have a couple hundred other stories if you want to stay after school, and I can share those stories. But I did that between the services. So. We'll go from there. So where does this funding come from? I'm here to do uh, several things with you today. One is to tell you these stories to give you a sense of what's possible, what we can do to help the poorest of the poor, to do these things of good as unto Jesus, as Matthew 25, 40 says, so much as you do these things for the least of my children, you do them as unto me. Um, and we, I'm here to tell you about that. I'm also here to give you the opportunity to participate financially and with prayer. 
in this ministry. And some of you picked these up on your way in, and others of you didn't. You get to pick them up on your way out. <laughs> and I would ask that you read through this, look at various ways that can, you can help, and make a donation. $80, $70 will feed a child for a year and provide clean water. $4,900 will build a house for a family. And many ways to help in between. So your sacrificial gift is a wonderful thing. You have been generous to Food for the Poor. You, you've sent chickens at Christmas time. You have been involved in our, the life of Food for the Poor, and I'm very thankful for that. And I'm hoping that you will also look at how to take on a project not just to send, which is a wonderful thing, to send a donation, but to think of as a church, as a group, could we build a house together? Could we create a water system? Could we provide educational materials for a school or a preschool? Many ways to help, and I will gladly work with the parish in thinking of how you can do that. I thank you for listening. I pray that you will, that the Holy Spirit will in, quicken within you a vision for food for the poor and for this work. Amen.